0: lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com slash aware terms apply you're listening to the archaeology podcast network
1: all right everyone well, we just interviewed uh alex crabe and uh <laughs> mason it's not burkett shit and again it. it? yeah well, everyone, we just interviewed uh, Alex Crabe and Mason Maget. F- I said it fucking wrong again. <laughs> a cat. I did an M. Oh, Jesus, this is going to go in the front. Chris is going to edit this to the front. This is how the episode going to fucking start. <laughs> Welcome to episode 152 of A Life in Ruins Podcast, where we investigate the careers and research of those living a life in ruins. I am your host, Carlton Shield Chief Gover, and I am joined by my featured co-hosts, Alex Crabe, who previously joined the podcast for episode 26 of uh, Our Ruin Lives with Alex Crabe. And appearing for the first time is Mason N- Mason and Alex. Thank you guys so much for joining. How are you guys doing this evening? I guess we'll start off with you, Alex. How have you been since you've last been on the podcast?
2: Not too bad. Not too bad. Finishing up this PhD at some point. I uh, accepted a salary job at Cultural Resource Analysts out in Lexington, Kentucky. And living the dream having a blast
1: excellent and then mason yeah please uh introduce yourself to the audience for the first time basically just where you went to school what degrees you have and where you're at now in life sure
0: uh, so my name is mason Cat. Uh, i did my master's and phd at the university of kansas i'm a geologist. My master's was on a pretty cool late paleo through mid-archaic site in the Ozarks, and then my dissertation was looking at site formation and geochronology at a rock shelter in West Texas. Currently, I'm also working uh, for cultural resource analysts in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: Excellent. We're really excited to have you both on the podcast for this very riveting discussion we're about to have. So for context, we're going to be talking about the archaeology of Warhammer 40K. And we'll, we'll delve into that subject and kind of the background behind it. But in the nerd world, some big happenings caused me to text Alex about some of the, the most recent reveals and like, we need to have an episode about this. And Alex like, actually, I actually have a coworker who's also a huge Warhammer 40k nerd. And just so happened when we were at the SAAs, I was having some drinks at the bar and ran into Mason. Mason's like, yeah, I, I know Craig, but I work with him. And I'm like... are are you the 40K friend? And he was like, yeah, and I was like, okay, we're gonna have you on the podcast to talk about this. So this episode is going to be kind of very similar in what we did with the archaeology of Middle-Earth. However, we've done really dotted our I's and crossed our T's with this episode. or uh, hoping to, to fit it all in because it's it's extensive. The lore behind Warhammer 40K is more extensive, I would say, than what Tolkien oh. has. Tolkien did it himself, though. Like, let's that's the caveat. Lord of the Rings Middle-Earth is, is Tolkien's baby, whereas 40K is the, contributed by Many different authors and, you know, basically a company that has been producing the, this game and the lore behind it since the late eighties, I think like 1989 or something mm-hmm. like that. So real quick, Mason, what, what armies do you collect and which factions are your favorite?
0: Well, right now I'm working on a little like black Templars army. Got that going for me. Got a little leagues of Botan. Got a bunch of random chaos, like nerdy models. And so like plague Marines, Yeah, I kind of just like to paint a lot of stuff and spending way too much money just getting kind of whatever. What about you?
1: So, yeah, I started 40K, I think, when I was in fifth grade with fourth edition. And my first army were the Tyranids. So I have some of those old school Termagants and and Harmagants and those like pewter models of old One-Eye and like an old school Hive Tyrant and a couple Lictors. And then like I think I ended up collecting over 64 Homagons and Termagants alone because they used to come in those big box sets of 32 uh before they got you know you can only buy like 16 at a time at the same price range now and then I got back into it in undergraduate with 7th edition and I started mm-hmm. playing Tau because I really liked the idea of shooting armies but then I got really bored because they they're just a shooting army they don't do melee they don't do any of the fun stuff and then um I switched to Blood Angels became my I went like hardcore the opposite direction. I want a, a melee army, oh, and, you man. Know, just full melee. And I, I love reds, my favorite color. So I was, I was like gravitated. I love their lore in the backstory. So Craig, what about you, man?
2: Uh, I'm an OG Dark Angels guy. I think I started my armies right around when you did fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And then I did a little bit of Tau, a little bit of Eldar just to branch out. I don't really like either one and now i've been doing like a kit bash homebrew chapter based on my fraternity colors and heraldry and and all that stuff so it's basically like a best of all worlds space marines chapter i call it heavy assault
1: excellent Excellent. So there's product background behind 40k. Just for our, our viewers, it is a tabletop mini's game that you paint. And early on in the 80s and 90s, it was like the the background and the story you would get through your little army handbooks codexes. There was a big old rule set that came in a book, and then you had to buy your individual army booklet. And then there'd just be kind of lore and history spread out through that. It wasn't until like the 2000s did books about Warhammer 40K be published. And for those that might be familiar with gaming, there's like Dawn of War, Warhammer, and there is, you know, like Warhammer, where you kill all the rats on Steam. Same companies early on, they were actually connected. Warhammer and Warhammer 40K were kind of these weird extensions. But really, since the 2000s, they've cashed in on expanding the lore of Warhammer 40K. So, what is Warhammer 40K? Well, the the term 40K for us archaeology nerds and and geologists, it stands for 40,000 years. So, this universe where we play in the tabletop realm, we're we're year 40,000. So, we're we're 20,000 years, no, like 38,000 years in the future. That's where we're at and a lot of stuff happened and with that... Archaeology is present and we'll get to that, but we're going to go through like a very, very surface level, like not even cutting the skin, like basically just like cutting the smallest pieces of hair off of your arms uh, of the lore to kind of set the stage for why archaeology is present in in the lore itself.
2: 40,000 years in less than four minutes. hopefully
1: that's a a bold statement because we're gonna we're gonna go off on tangents so so we're gonna try to do this first segment and probably into the second segment is like we're gonna go through it's not even like 40,000 we got to set the stage for like it starts 60 million years ago That's when the the universe starts. And so we're just going to real quickly just go through the the time of the universe and into the future and then get into like, okay, what's the archaeology? So the first part of this, and and it does actually relate to 40K itself, like these people show back up, is what's called (laughs) the war in heaven. And this happened 60 million years ago. There's two main factions, the old ones, they're this benevolent, benevolent beings this race that like see the universe <laughs> they're friendly peaceful and then you have the necron tier and and mason could you describe the necron tier for us real quick
2: it's like the care bears fighting against the anti-care bears yeah so you got a group of people that are all about feelings and then the Necrontier tier who uh decide to sacrifice their mortal beings to space gods in exchange for immortality so that way they can spite these care bears.
0: Yeah. So pretty much the uh, old ones were just a bunch of like weird lizard space gods that just kind of hung out, created a bunch of life, had a great time, and then you get the Necron Tear who were a weird little flesh species. They're planning to have to be close, too close to a star. They just got cancer all the time, and it turns out that even if they, had, they left that space, they kept eating cancer. And so it turned into a whole big to-do
1: yeah. So the Necron tier, they're basically like cancerous space Egyptians is the best way to describe that faction. Their lifespans were like 40 years. They were too close to a star. And there's some other things that were happening that created this weird stuff, super focused on immortality through basically everyone wanted to be an Alexander the great. And that was their focus on. So they're, they're start spacefaring Society was a a fucking wreck because everyone was concerned about themselves. It wasn't holistic. They united against the old ones because the old ones wouldn't basically help their space cancer. And they went to war. Didn't go so great for the Necron tier. They ended up coming in contact with basically a different race of space gods in a different dimensional plane known as the Catan. They made an alliance and they absolutely wrecked the old ones. As a response, the Old Ones created species specifically meant to fight the Necrontir and the Catan, the Eldari and the uh, Cork, And the Cork are basically ancestral orcs. And they ended up losing to the Necrontir and the Catan. Um, but then the Necrontir found out that the Catan were the troubles of all their space cancer. And during the war, tricked the Necrontir into giving up their fleshy beings and downloading themselves into mechanical automaton where only the elites of the Necron tier kept their-
2: Their consciousness.
1: Their consciousness. And so they betrayed the Catan in one of the most like epic battles of betrayal and like just hunted them. Uh, but as a result, the Necron tier were, were severe. They, this is when they become the Necrons is when they go from like fleshy Egyptians with cancer to mechanical Egyptians. <laughs> Basically there's pyramids. Like there's a whole thing and you just have to Google what they are and everything is very Egyptian. Like there's pyramids and obelisks. That's the vibe.
0: But also like space obelisks and like space pyramids.
1: Yes. Like space scarabs. Like it's very, but they're green. They're, they glow and mechanical, you know, it's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And, but during this war, the Eldari and the court kind of made a comeback and the Necrons, the Necrons were like, we need to go into hibernation And basically, because we're going to lose, like if we keep fighting, we're going to lose. So they basically put everyone in stasis and go to sleep up until the 41st millennium. So that's the background. But during that time, there's a. A dimension called the warp, which is where you basically light speed occurs and it's a reflection of of the material world. And because there is so much chaos and death, it turned this like gorgeous wellspring of life into a chaotic mess, and it basically becomes known as the warp. And it's we'll get to that later because that's just like a whole separate. You got the you got the material plane, and then you got <laughs> space hell. It's space hell. And that space hell is where space travel takes place and it, it gets fucking crazy. <laughs>
2: it gets a little bit that's pretty so,
1: quick yeah it gets the, the whole war in heaven basically poisons that and it just becomes this horrible horrible place that's a reflection of the war in heaven because the war in heaven took place over like millions of years basically genocide on a galactic scale moving forward up until forty thousand years ago from this is the age of Terra. so just it's the same earth history up until today but there are some pretty important events that occur Crave, could you take a crack at some of the more pivotal moments of of how what happens here on earth affects the universe in warhammer 40k
2: so arguably the most important event that happens is the the birth of the emperor of mankind or the being that would become the emperor of mankind he's basically a immortal space being that can reanimate himself in different bodies and accrue this long term kind of memory and understanding of, of time and he gets the idea that he's going to start directing humanity on the the right path so the star child emperor comes about sometime 10,000 BCE you know fertile crescent that, that sort of area
1: And he gets born because basically a bunch of mystic shamans like predicate in the future, shit's going to be bad for humankind.
2: Yeah, so there's a couple different theories about how the emperor came about, whether he was just uh, an individual being that appeared and had this psychic magnitude to him, or if he was actually a culmination of multiple kind of psychic beings coming together, seeing the future and knowing that humanity needed like a protector kind of deal. And they fused their psychic might together and created this God baby kind of like Jesus in a, in a, you know, tuxedo t-shirt.
1: Yeah. So basically like all these like mystic shamans from across like the old world come together at at Chattahoyuk and commit ritual suicide to fuse their mental spiritual essence into the emperor of mankind. And he does become Jesus because he's, he's like right now in our, in our world, he's just laying low. He's, he's immortal. And he just kind of pops up through history to like try to steer people in the right way. So he, he is Jesus and Muhammad and all these leaders throughout our history that kind of show up and, try to change things and ultimately like just disappear like he's just hiding. Yep, he's it's right. weird. He, he's, he's super important for 30k. So yeah. I mean it only takes like
0: 30,000 years PM unrelevant. It's fine. Yeah he's just, like,
1: you know, I'm just he's just sitting in the back with popcorn just like this is fucked. And then so so Mason, why why are the Middle Ages important for the context of of the universe so
0: the middle ages are kind of when goes sideways so we briefly mentioned like the idea of the warp the warp is kind of like a reflection of i don't know humanity aliens all their kind of things and all their like feelings thoughts ideas all this kind of stuff like bring itself and manifests within the warp if that makes the best sense it's like a psychic reflection. Yeah, it's like a psychic reflection of what's happening. But pretty much during this time period, we get the Crusades and the birth of the blood god Corn. Uh, during a lot of time of hyper violence, who wants skulls for the skull throne and blood for the blood god. You get mass periods of disease during the Black Plague and you get the creation of this new god called Nurgle who is all about decay, decay and disease. And then you also get Zeech, who I admittedly do not know nearly enough about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so (laughs) corn is born basically from, from the crusades. Like there's so many people out there trying to kill for their God, that their psychic energy creates a fucking terrorist God in the warp. Who is just the the God of war and death. Then there's Zinch who is kind of like this, god of knowledge but it's like the, the it's the warranted pursuit of knowledge which is bad just like knowledge for knowledge's sake and he's born from like all these feudalistic uh, scholars trying to reinvent society and religion so he's a reflection of that nurgle comes from the black plagues so where there's massive death from plague from you know china all the way to you know europe and north africa and he's like the most like he's not really evil he's just he loves life but the the greatest and most numerous life in the universe is bacteria and viruses so he wants to infect everything else with with disease so it's like he's bought like people love him he's papa nurgle and his the whole idea is just to spread his children of death across the universe and so as as these things are happening but like people in our history don't know because we don't have access to the warp yet we have a little bit of what's the psychic energy that's this reflection. So those three gods are born during. So the mankind contributes out of all the races in the universe. Mankind contributes to these these three gods. We get through the dark age of technology, which is from fifteen hundred to twenty five thousand, in which mankind just does its thing and spreads across the universe. And we don't know much about it. We just know. During this time, mankind settles the stars, we have really advanced technology, which becomes important for later, and we become the dominant species across the universe. And during this time, the Eldar from the War in Heaven are still around, they're basically space elves that live forever. We come in contact with them, we're pretty chill, they recognize humankind's kind of superiority. But then we have the Age of Strife and like two important things happen. One, basically, Terminator judgment day happens where all of our machines rise up against us and start going on a human genocide. And it just absolutely destroys human civilization across the stars. Everyone becomes isolated. It's not a great time, but also as the Eldari, the space elves, the Eldar, they become so ingratiated in pleasure and lust. They basically become space Romans to an effect where they get just so carried away in the pleasures of life that their psychic energy borns, the chaos god Slanesh, who, when he is born, it creates this like portal to hell in the universe and kills most of the Eldari race. He basically takes up their souls, some survive. You get the Eldar proper, these were like Eldar that lived in the stars on craft worlds, that's how they survived. And then you get the Dark Eldar, and in order to combat Slanesh, basically the Dark Eldar become sadistic bdsm elves like their whole thing is we're gonna just torture and kill and make life a living hell for anyone we capture they get into piracy and slavery so you have the dark elves and the light elves very original here but during this time humanity is spread across the stars all the worlds pretty much are isolated from one another the automatons are beaten but during this time space travel becomes impossible because the birth of Silesh basically makes the warp, you know, space hell where light speed occurs extraordinarily dangerous and unpredictable. And this is where the emperor comes back. Uh, Krapes, what does the emperor do in uh, the year 30,000? So after, you know, like towards the end of, you know, the space war against the machines.
2: So the emperor spends most of his life like Carlton was saying, chilling in the background, kind of poking at things, trying to get them to change. And I think after the, the birth of Slash, he kind of realized that, that he needed to be a little more proactive about things. And it was about that time that he kind of revealed himself and started uniting clans on, on Earth, Ancient Terra. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it started in kind of the India-Himalayan region. And it expands out and he starts messing around with genetics and he starts creating this race of super soldiers, which would eventually become the Thunder Warriors. And he would use these kind of genetically superior genetically might think about like Russian athletes, but like done right, you know, actually (laughs) actually, (laughs) if the Russians weren't in charge of doping programs, we actually did a real doping program. It's a group of genetically superior men that are, you know, large, faster reflexes, faster uh, healing, all that jazz. And he basically takes over the planet and then institutes this Primarch program, which I think Mason could explain.
0: Yeah. So uh, not to throw you under the bus or anything. Yeah. So pretty much what happened with the Thunder Warriors, they were great for what the Emperor's goals were on Terra. However, they were unstable. They were prone to all sorts of weird issues, including like super, super space cancer and stuff like that. So, the idea basically was after that, come up with an idea for a new set of soldiers to go take over the stars and take over the, go back and reconquer effectively all the planets that were lost uh, during the Age of Strife. And so, yeah, the primary program started where he was going to make 20 perfect genetic sons, partially from his DNA and all sorts of different things.
2: And they each were supposed to be kind of a different aspect right. of his being, right? and So, Like, are you know, were kind of, to be an idealized version of, you know,
0: one facet of humanity. Right, right. And so, each one was supposed to be, like, a perfect facet of some aspect of humanity. But... Things kind of hit the fan, and the <laughs> and so they wound up getting swept out by the Chaos Gods that we mentioned earlier, so Nurgle, Smanash, Deech, and Khorne. And so they got dispersed across the galaxy, and he's like, well, we ain't got time for this. And so he jumped back into the stars with his new super soldiers who were the space Marines.
1: Yeah, we glossed over some heavy shit there, but yeah, yeah. so... <laughs> allegedly the god of the god emperor like made a deal with the chaos gods When the chaos gods figured out he tricked them. The primarchs may be warp demigods in a human super soldier form. We don't know. And they got spread across the galaxy to other, you know, lost colonies and societies of earth. So they get raised by different Terran societies. Some really good. Some turn into gladiators with nails in their heads. That's a spectrum that isn't fantastic for some. And with that, we should probably take our first break before we get into the great crusades of humanity. <laughs> so we'll be right back with episode 152. A Life in Ruins Goes 40K here after these messages.
2: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's
1: mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your
0: pocket
1: And welcome back to episode 152 of Life Runes Podcast. I am still here with Alex and Mason, and we were getting into the second half of the lore, and, and we're almost on through the lore, but this is the, the critical part, and this is the great crusade in which the god emperor of mankind like unifies Earth and leads humanity back into the stars to reclaim its lost territory. Mars is is like the, the big number two. They basically become like a super production facility with you know human hybrid robots. They're great. And the Emperor is doing two things. One, reconnecting the galaxy, but also two, trying to find his lost sons, the Primarchs. And these are essentially demigods. And out of the demigods' gene seed or DNA, he creates the Space Marine Legions. So each, there's 20 Primarchs. There are 20 Space Marine Legions. And the Primarchs are made out of different aspects of the God Emperor's DNA and also a different Eternals DNA. The Primarchs have a mom. I forget her name. And they have different aspects of him. So they're all like 20 pieces of a whole, and each of the Space Marine Legions are a piece of their Primarch father. So they have different attributes, and the Space Marines aren't just roided up people. They have different organs. They have a different biology, like to become a Space Marine. It's like the Halo, the Spartan 2 program from Halo on black tar heroin it is on a sure. whole different level of how they made these people it's um, like limitless. they gave
2: them a bunch of that drug to unleash their brains and they just became multiple smart. hearts
1: new organs like you know just look into the world yeah this is all on youtube like if you get interested in this you can go down a youtube rabbit hole and you can learn all of this and the first primark that gets recovered is um the Lion. No, he's Primark number one, but the first recovered is, first recovered, um, well, is it's Looper. no, it's well, oh We're shit. That's weird. Damn it. <laughs> the, the first the first official is like Horace Lupercal of the Space Wolves, but technically there's 21 Primarchs because the Alpha Legion, which is the 20th Legion. They're actually yeah. twins, Alpharius and o- Omegon. And it turns out that probably one of them never got lost and was with the Emperor in secret. They're basically like the Emperor's CIA. And they're just like no one knows they exist for like ever. And apparently one of them is fine. Yep, yeah, that's a whole thank you, Mason, for that reminder. But the first official <laughs> that everyone knows about is Horace lupercal who's extremely important later. He has the most time with the Emperor, and he also helps find his recovered brothers.
0: He's the Emperor's best boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, the best boy. He is the primarch of the what are they called? The Luna which, Wolves. Which name? Yeah, the, are they? yeah the Luna Wolves. Yeah, oh, the Luna Wolves of the 16th Legion. 16. And then like they all get renamed when they find their primarch. Their primarch basically like renames the, the Legion. So they were the Luna Wolves or they are the Luna the, Wolves. Yeah,
0: they, they, they were the, that, They yeah, the, something.
1: They, it's a they, whole No, they were Wolves. sons of
0: Horus later.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then their home, uh, uh, they become the sons
2: of Horus after Ulanor.
1: That's mm-hmm. true, and so all the Space Marines are basically they come from Terra, but as they find their Primarch and the Primarch's homeworld, that becomes the new recruiting ground for that Legion. So once Horus is reunited with the Emperor, all the new um, Luna Wolves they come from uh, Cethonia. Cethonia. Mm-hmm. and so and they all kind of get found. We don't need to go through the list of who gets found when, but open to this there are two lost legions and two lost primarchs we know nothing about what happened to them but something big enough where they were erased from the imperiums everything they basically like they wipe them from existence and even went as far to like wipe their memories from their brother's brains They know they existed, but they don't know what happened. They forgot. Like it was basically, they were totally expunged. Part of this is like, it's fun. Second is like when you make your Space Marine Legion, you can be like, oh, they're the part of the Lost Legion, right? So there's like kind of a marketing aspect to it. But as the universe is almost fully unified, it's like towards the end. And mind you that the technology being used in the Great Crusade is nowhere near the advanced technology that was used in the age of technology. Like it's still not to that level. Like the ships that we have are basically space cathedrals. Like it's very different. It's very Gothic. It's very, uh, what's the word for it? It's in perfect future. There's a word for it, right?
2: That's kind of the whole point of it, right? Is that just like how the medieval world was kind of looking back on Roman ruins going, Oh my God, the world was amazing during Roman times. We're living in the dark ages of, the future, looking back on these wonderful times that existed prior to us, the grimdark I think is what you're, you're after. But yeah, the, the whole idea is that we are living in the modern or the futuristic Middle Ages where we've lost so much and we're surrounded by all these great things. and We don't understand it, but it's here.
1: Yeah. Trying to recover lost technology, lost human societies. And not many worlds went in peacefully because they're like, we don't want to bow down to this space emperor. We don't care. And also like a very important aspect of this is the background what's happened with chaos. The emperor bans all religion. Like he's like, we're not doing this because he knows religion feeds the chaos gods. And he's like hiding their existence from the universe. He's like doing his best. Doesn't tell his sons about chaos, the dangers of the chaos gods. He's actively trying to reclaim the entire universe get rid of all religion and like fingers crossed it kills the chaos gods because he knows how fucking bad news they are but with this comes we get all the primarchs back some are better than others in terms of like their mental state they all have their own little niche and and then while this is going on the emperor with his fleets across this uh, the world like some of these legions they're like Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, Space Marine strong, which is in which is supplementing the Astra Militarum, which is the Space Army. Millions, millions of human millions beings, millions of people, and and sh- like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of spacefaring vessels, like going across the stars. The emperor puts remembrancers with a lot of these fleets, and these are artists, historians, like basically people of the liberal arts. <laughs> like all the liberal mm-hmm. arts majors that can't get jobs today, they get sent on ships and spread across the galaxy to record everything. They get a
0: lot of jobs <laughs> <laughs> during this time, <laughs> they all became war
2: correspondents.
1: Yeah, basically. And yeah, Yeah. so they're trying to record everything. And then also the cultures are coming into, and they're like reestablishing these lost human worlds back into the Imperium. And it's like, but then we get the Horus heresy. Who wants to take a crack at explaining how Horus falls to chaos? Oh God! <laughs> so to, to, we don't we don't need to go into the the lodges or, or the 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 <laughs> demon sword, <laughs> um, <laughs> Mason. You look like you're you're jumping at the bit to talk about Horace's fall to the to chaos. I'm just trying to remember, I'm trying to figure it out I have to say this the short,
0: quickest way possible.
1: <laughs> oh man! A, a real quick way is like one of the primarchs. Fuck, what is his name? Lorgar. No,
0: Lorgar and uh, what's his name? Uh, Erebus. Erebus. Fuck Erebus. Fuck um, Erebus.
1: Lorgar he, he is, is the chaplain of the Word
0: Bearers Legion whose Primarch is Lorgar. Alright, yes. so I'm going to say something if I'm wrong. My bad. <laughs> 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 Basically, what I recall is Horus, had, Horus and his legion go hang out on a planet and they're trying to take it over and all of a sudden there's bunch of weird chaos stuff happening. There's a bunch of weird little uh Davin that uh, uh is the name of the planet. yeah Uh which is a great name by the way. Davin. <laughs> Just has a good uh rubies. Damn it, My Davin. Word. Fucking Davin. Um anyway, um so Horace goes and hangs out, he's trying to take over this place. <laughs> and he gets hurt. Uh which is surprising because you know he's a fucking Primark. And uh anyway, he gets cut. And we're going to skip a couple of little steps, but long story short, the only way to heal him, he winds up getting taken into this lodge um, to be taken care of. And turns out that they're a bunch of cultists and start kind of getting him into the chaos lifestyle. And he realizes that he's super here for it. And long story short, he jumps chaos and starts rebelling against emperor.
1: Yes, and the people that, that convert him, yeah, and the people that convert him are primarily from the seventeenth legion under Lorgar. His real quick backstory is he worshipped the emperor as a god, and every world he brought into compliance converted them to basically a religion of the emperor, which comes up later. The emperor's like, "I fucking told you, we don't do religion." Sent in the Ultramarines, the the thirteenth legion, and genocides the homeworld and says, "Lorgar, we're not a fucking god. Like, stop it." During his, uh, basically his sad boy phase, his chaplain Erebus is like, oh, I do know of gods. They do exist. And like brings Lorgar into chaos. How Erebus finds out about the chaos gods, there's a whole book about it. So they kind of set the stage to turn Horus basically. And that's how this starts. Horus gets tainted by chaos and turns against the emperor, secretly turns half of his brothers against his father. And, and the Loyalist Legions creates the Istvan tra- tr- atrocity where he it's a whole fucking thing. The universe goes into Galactic Civil War. The Loyalist Primarchs get scattered er- because fucking towards the end of the Great Crusade, Horus has made <laughs> war masters, so the Emperor can go back and basically create a, a different way of traveling through the universe, and everyone is upset that their father left them, and they put their brother in charge, and they're all like super you know, jocks that want to be number like daddy's big boy. So some are jealous. (laughs) It's just crazy. Emo,
2: emo dicks that are like, daddy doesn't love me. He left me out here and put me in
1: charge. And, and Horace capitalizes on this and betrays the emperor, betrays his brothers, kills one of them outright at the Istvan and the world is set in flames and it ends in like space opera style Horus versus daddy Horus like hurts the emperor because the emperor can't quite do it because Horus is completely overwhelmed with chaos. God energy. Like some of his brothers become like paragons or antigons. I don't know of the chaos gods. So each there's like four that basically become, you know, worship their demons. Own god. Demons. demons and yeah. it's a fucking mess, but like the emperor wins basically kills Horus with mind bullets and erases him from existence. The traitors flee. The emperor wounded gets put upon the golden throne, which is keeping it. He's basically becomes a space zombie and his mental energy is lighting a a universal lighthouse to make space travel happen. And ever since then, like 10,000 basically human psychers basically warlocks are sacrificed to him every day to feed his psychic energy. It, it's not a great time to be a human. Like the lore of Warhammer 40 K is fucked. So this all happens in the year 30,000. There's basically a time jump. The Primarchs are basically gone. There's two that just came back. One just came back, which is the impetus for this. Like it was a huge reveal that Lionel Johnson of the first Legion has come back.
2: What, what? Of, of back Angel,
1: of the dark angels. So that's where we are. But with this there's like a couple things that we talked about. The Necrons are back too. they are the Necrons here from earlier and we're also in this grim dark period of this future that looks back on the past and they're they're still actively looking at the past for information. caveat of people worship uh the God Emperor. They basically took uh Lorgar's book of the daddy bible and instituted it after the God Emperor's death and it's just made things so bad. It's basically like Warhammer 40K is a the Catholic church on black tar heroin and feudal. It's not a good time.
2: Russian super soldiers, man.
1: So how does archeology span fit into all this? We've hit a couple points. There's clearly a very long and deep time of the universe that spans millions of years of various alien races of various levels of advanced technology. And, uh, the primary like i guess archaeologists i guess to say from from humans the human standards is the adeptus mechanicus i mean the adeptus mechanicus
2: (laughs) so during during the whole age of strife so humans colonized the cosmos right and then the age of strife happened and we all went back to earth and There were disparate colonies all over the place. One of our colonies was Mars. And the Mars colony basically started worshipping a machine god and devoted themselves to understanding, engineering, mechanics, stuff like that. And the Mechanicum is essentially a semi-church, semi-corporation that is focused on technology and maintaining it, but also finding what they call new technology. I'm doing air quotes because what new technology in the 41st millennia is actually just finding old technology that was better, particularly in the form of these things called standard template constructs, which are like these really smart machines that produce different kinds of materials in mass at very high quality. So like an STC, a standard template construct could be for tanks, like an armored personnel carrier, like the Rhino in, in 40 K they found an STC of a Rhino and it's this kind of perfect machine basis for carrying troops and, the Mechanicum is always after these STCs, always after esoteric knowledge, always after lost technology. So it's kind of the, the basis of their their mandate.
1: And they're also like the mechanic. these aren't people. Like the Mechanicus like turn themselves basically into living robots.
0: The, the big thing with Mechanicus is that they believe the closer to like the machine they are, the closer they are to their God. So they try to replace as much as they're the can of their body with robotics and then they have a bunch of crazy science so like really just their neurons to be able to control this stuff but you wind up with these like giant monstrosities are the priests of the Mechanicus and constantly trying to chase out these old technologies and one other thing that's important I think important to say in terms of the Mechanicus is they're within the context of the the cult Mechanicum and the religion there is they don't believe in I guess like engineering, creating their own new technology, all that much. There's a bunch of stuff oh, yeah. against that and taboos against creating technology. Hence, why they're always trying to find old stuff and looking for these old SCCs because the SCCs yeah. them themselves—it's almost a major like we're companies or- against yeah so they were made for trying to go pioneer new planets and so the idea was you could have this machine with you to build literally anything you could ever need for your colony as you're going into this new planet that's never been explored and so there's only elements of it that exist left and so the mechanicists are always trying to find anything they can of these technologies that have been lost to try to bring the 40th
1: millennium all in the context that Xeno's technology is fucking heresy. Can't touch it. Can't reverse engineer it. New technology is also forbidden. And also like these people aren't that, like if your laptop broke, they'd pray over it because they believe like every machine has its spirit. Like this is a backwards ass (laughs) technician where they've, they've created a religion around machines and they like, they're even further back. Like if 30,000 Warhammer 40, 30,000 like the crusade is a, pales in comparison to humanity's the age of technology, 40 K pales in comparison to 30 K. Like they can't create their own shit. They're basically scavengers. They lost how to like fix things. Essentially. They know kind of how, but like, and also AI is forbidden. Like after the age of strife where the, you know, the automatons rose up, not allowed to have AI. And so how do things work? Oh, if you're a heretic or a bad person, they lobotomize you and turn your brain into basically a processor and you become a floating skull with lights and you like, like video cameras are literally a floating human head, like skull and cerebellum with a f- fucking lens put in one of the eye holes. Like it's not great. There's a lot of skulls. Like, there, there's a lot of skulls, you know,
2: Just, it's, it's kind of like the of
1: Yeah. And so, and these are the people that are in charge of like, Going out and recovering lost human technology from 30K, but also from the um, uh, great, uh, not great crusade, but the age of technology. Like there's a fun short story where basically people from the age of technology develop a time traveling device and actually time travel to the year 40,000 and try to make contact with the Imperium. They all get fucking tortured as heretics. And the ship is so advanced. They don't know what to, the, the mechanicus doesn't know what to do with it. Space Marines don't know what to do with it. And there's an AI on board that is absolutely fucking livid with what's happened and what's happened to, hu- to humanity is able to like infiltrate the space Marine, you know, armor and suits shuts them down. And the mechanic of just starts praying and waving incense, like trying to calm down the machine spirit. And then it's just like, this AI is like, what the fuck happened? Cause it's like, yeah,
0: it's you killed my crew.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> killed my crew. Like what the fuck? Like who, you know, it's just like, things just went so ass backwards. So, and, so um, one
0: other thing I'll, I want to mention really just quickly is we keep talking about like 40 K and all this stuff, what they're doing. One thing that is, I think really important to note within the world of 40 K and that universe is there's been kind of a, a massive loss of knowledge and people are kind of just doing these rights that they know that makes technology work and it's become ritualized and part of like religion and all these things that you just do, there is no real understanding of how the technology works or how to fix it. Hence why people are constantly trying to find SECs and why they're trying to do all of these things to get uh, new technology key things working. There is no real understanding of the inner mechanics of like how the shit works or how the gun works. This is just what you do. You put oil on it and then you praise it
1: yeah and there's factions right. of the mechanicum that have their own stcs and won't share it and as mason said they're not allowed to innovate there is one dude who it does innovate and it he's kind of seen as heretical and like we said two Primarchs returned like they're gone for ten thousand years they come back and they're like what the fuck happened to our daddy's empire and they're like kind of lost too, basically through this time skip and like they remembered 30k and they're like, holy shit, we can't even build new things anymore unless we have these basic 3D printers that will do it for us. Our dad's being worshipped as gods. We're being worshipped as demigods. And they remember the time where there was no religion. Like they remember innovation because that's what their, their dad was a super scientist. That was part of his thing. And they're trying to slowly bring that back. But in the context of like, if we piss off the church, they will get rid of us. If we piss off these other factions of humankind, they get rid of us. So they're trying to navigate it. As well, and work with the mechanicum of like trying to bring. Because at this point, the human empire is just receding. The Imperium man is—it's not a great time. I think the average lifespan of a human, if you're not in the elite class, is like 20 years, like something super short. It's not great, and we're being attacked by space bugs, space elves, <laughs> space orcs, uh, s- uh, fucking uh, space Buddhists, or space communists. Like, we're like the whole Imperium is just like retracting because we're being assaulted from all age. And then the Necrons are, are back from 40 They're million years up. ago. Also, yeah, the,
0: 60 million years ago, uh, the Necrons are back. They're hanging out. Robots live in the dream. Yeah. straight up not
1: prime. Yeah. And with that, we'll go ahead and end section two. And we're going to get how these races in 40 K, like how this archeology span is actually occurring. Like what does that look like? And how, If everything is basically becomes heresy, if you touch it, how does you actually gain knowledge in this really fucked up dystopian future? Later. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra,
2: just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
1: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a $1.49, perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Ba 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 And
1: welcome back with episode 152. So, Continuing on this conversation of archaeology, like archaeology that is existing within the Warhammer 40k universe, but then also, you know, talking conceptually, like how the fuck would we as modern day archaeologists to do if we were like time warped into 40k and would not be branded heretics immediately? How would you actually do some of this and like excavate these sites? Because like, how would you actually do it other than basically doing Indiana Jones style archaeology, which is primarily what 40k is of like going into known places, and and looting for technology. Mason mentioned earlier the Landites, who are also known as the Landis, and these are a subcult within the Adeptus Mechanicus. And they're disciples of the techno archaeologist Arkan Land. Uh, and so there are there are archaeologists, they're techno archaeologists specifically. And and so he he finds this STC, which Craig mentioned in the Liberius Omnis. basically the whole language of what they call high Gothic and 40 K is like English words with like fucking, what is anti What's the opposite of a pre suffix like Latin suffixes. You just add, you just like kind of Latinize it a little bit. Us. <laughs> yeah. You add Oose. us a lot. Yeah. Ooze, us, us, niss. <laughs> so because they find this Helios pattern and the Prometheus pattern, basically vehicles, but the landites in thirty nine thousand, they basically get genocided because they take the knowledge from these, you know, archaeo vehicles to create a new vehicle, and that's heretical, as we mentioned before. The belief in this time is that the God Emperor, mankind, everything he created was perfect, and he shouldn't fuck with God's creations. And if you do, you're a heretic. Unless you're the guy that created the Primaris Marines, in which you get a pass because the demigod gave you the thumbs up. That's a whole thing we don't <laughs> need to go into. And no, he, he no, created no, a, and part of that was 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 Games Workshop needed a new people to buy more models, and they created a whole fleet of new vehicles and a whole set line of new Space Marines. Um, we need he big boys
0: a, that are easier to pay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. so, you, super yeah so much easier but the landites still exist so these archaeo these techno archaeologists still exist and they have to do it in secret and so they're looking for missing patterns of vehicles though and they're trying to create better vehicles so they're under the they this part of the mechanicus these cultists like understand like the emperor was still even though he's a god like we can improve upon it, especially with with the Primaris Marines and their vehicles and stuff like they recognize there's still improvement. Right. That's how much knowledge has been lost in 10,000 years It's like they've, we've basically taken several steps back. As that's going on, the Necrons briefly, they're awakening and they're trying to find their old Necrons. Not all of them have awakened. So they're trying to awaken other Necron societies and they're just it's basically like space egyptians well at the same time there are some people that have mechanicus like actively looking for necron technology and trying to find uh what is his name the betrayer not the betrayer what the hell is his name the guy that ended up uh killing the katan the, the deceiver the deceiver yeah. yeah that whole thing
2: or or even the moon dragon that may or may not be the <laughs> Messiah the, on the dragon of
1: mars yes he's yeah
2: yeah yeah may remain
1: anyway, obvious satan yeah bare yeah, goddamn there's a lot <laughs> there's so much nonsense but if you like actually look at this this world like a lot of this lore sets up multi component sites of like what's happening like there's a blank period before 30,000 we we have no idea what the technology all the lore tells us the books tells us it's like super advanced technology the pinnacle of the human race we don't know much about it J- terminator judgment day happens and then we basically turn everything, everything's a super cathedral. All the ships are cathedrals, just like Google Warhammer 40K ships. It's basically the Notre Dame with engines and a lot of guns traveling along the stars. But like, even just, yeah, shit, we were, we were talking in the interim about like, how would you excavate Mars? Like, like how do you excavate, you know, places <laughs> like, God damn, who are the. Oh, they're astra militarum, that one army from the World War One planet.
2: Uh, oh, the um, Indians or the Vrax, the siege of Vrax.
1: So they, they fight at Vrax, but it's a specific they can't kind of forget what oh, planet they come from. Uh, the,
2: the Death Legion.
1: The Death Legion. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, it's gonna bug me, we gotta look it up. 40k yeah. World War One Army. Krieg! the death core yeah so how do you excavate a world that used to be a paradise and then went to a civil war and nuclear holocaust right like if we were if we were to actually do this work similar to like because we've lost unlike the middle earth series which we talked about where me and david basically did like a a 40 minute segment before we realized oh wait elves exist and they're immortal and they could just tell you you don't need archaeologists in this world the eldar hate primarily humans even though they're 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 also, mortal, they don't give a shit about humans anymore. And so, we're not talking to them. They're not giving us our history in this universe. And if you're a poor, lowly person in the 41st millennium, how do you try to uncover human history across the stars?
2: You're talking about digging through some serious construction,
0: Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. My. When he asked that question, my first thought was like, "How do you find hunter gatherer stuff?" <laughs> After all this serious modification,
1: Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like the emperor's palace is literally Tibet, like it is the size of Tibet, if not larger. Like, I mean, there's of, nothing
0: left. There's nothing left on Terra in terms of like trying right. to find like hunter gatherer. There's um, no
1: oceans on Terra. Like it's, the, the world yeah. has been so fucked. There's not oceans. It is. It is coruscant and. Absolute decay. Like there's Star Wars lore about the lower levels of Coruscant are shitty. The Hive Cities is what they're called in 40k. Are
2: turned the entire Himalaya mountain range into his fortress complex. Yeah. I mean that that yeah.
0: Entire Himalayas are his house. (laughs) (laughs) And then also the rest of the planet is just one city. There there is nothing else.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not great if you're at the lower levels. Like most people in on a hive city, never see the light of day. Their lifespan, (laughs) they maybe make it to thirty. They make know their name. So So
0: I think Terra, in terms of like the archaeology there, is horrifying. I have
1: I don't know how to like excavate that. I mean,
0: like you look at like crazy uh, levels of like superposition and create some interesting hypotheses about how these like. Hype uh, cities are built, but at the same time, like, how do you... How do nuclear There's so blasts... many layers to it. It's just the most stressful thing to think about.
2: <laughs> we, we know that from
0: Nagasaki
2: and Hiroshima, how nuclear blasts impact urban areas and then how they're built back up and what does that look like in an archaeological context because a big part of the Warhammer 40k universe is that you have these massive nuclear wars occurring on on earth that kind of wipes it all clean and then the emperor rises out of these nuclear wars to take control of of Terra so I so I imagine we we'd have to look at, at at how do nuclear wars and nuclear warheads affect urban areas and and the only two that I can think of are of course Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
1: Yeah, so Hiroshima has been absolutely rebuilt, and they've left a couple places. So oh, like, yeah, yeah the uh, like, the a-, yeah. a bomb dome was secured in the 1960s, and it's a UNESCO World yeah. Heritage site. But it, yeah, there has to be like, I imagine a layer of glass. I have no idea. Somewhere in the strata, there has to be some sort of like, a, almost like a volcanic event where like there is pre World War II material a fucking crater at one point like there's definitely geologic you you could see the backfill and then yeah. they they had to have cleaned it from the radioactive material
0: i, no I mean I yeah i, I think I what happens a million challenges like i don't know for some reason like the columbia river gorge is coming into my head right now in terms of like the sheer geology and confusion what's happening there terms of all these massive floods. So for listeners, Columbia River Gorge was subject to tons of like, pretty much like, glacial ice would come down, build a big lake, and then lake would burst through and then rip through this gorge and then create this really complex series of geology. And the problem that hit there, and I think what would happen to 40K, is you have a series of like, really complex, events that would wipe out part of what was previously existing so you are only left with like minor little clues here and there about what happened before that would erode all of the event, things that happened to be there <laughs> that were constantly inset in one another and so I, I think something like that would happen in 40k in terms of it's always war there's always gonna be nukes these type cities are constantly building each other ripping out what was there beforehand and so you get urban archaeology oh. on steroids
1: <laughs> yeah no, like even right. like there's so many like it's not even old wood but like old tech problems like even in the age of strife before the god emperor mankind reunified terra it was run by like techno barbarians and crazy shit where they're you know for like ten thousand years like or four thousand years like constantly reusing old technology and to create these really fucked up fiefdoms and so like art of, like you couldn't even like even just trying to like identify, create like a seriation of artifacts is would be like impossible in many contexts.
0: Oh, especially when we're talking about between like yeah, with like thirty to forty k, where they're still using a lot of the same technologies. Like the uh, primary thing for like the uh, space marines, the way to like figure out where you are in time is their make and model of like armor. But there's like, what, six different variations of Astarte's armor? Ten tops. Yeah. yeah. Over 10,000 years? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get chaos and the warp into it where they're reusing stuff and time flows differently. and just goes to a whole different thing.
1: Yes, there's a Mark 10 power armor, and that that's it.
0: Yeah, so ten over 10,000 years. That's like fancy boy power armor. Before we get into Primaris,
1: well, well, one armor is thunder power armor. So that's like the, what the Thunder Warriors used even before yeah. 30k. And I, think, uh, I think the haircut okay, so model. <laughs> Let's see, like, Thunder Warriors
0: were what 28, 29
1: Yes, yeah, like yeah, twelve thousand years. So basically, over the course of, <laughs> of of human colonization of the Americas, they changed armor maybe ten times.
0: And then also one of those isn't really real. It's just because it was during the heresy, and they just kept taking parts of other armor kits. (laughs) And like, whoa! I guess we'll call this one a number. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, it's a Mark Six.
1: Yeah, and then there's Terminator armor, and then like all of them have their own special, like you know, speciations. Like each you know legion does its own thing, and then like, and we didn't even fucking talk about like after the heresy all the legions got broke up and you got chapters and so now there's like hundreds of space marine chapters doing their own thing it's just
2: we we, we didn't even scratch the surface of 40k lore yeah and we did a shit job explaining it
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like you can't even like with the technology cuz like i guess you could see up until the age of strife advances in and in technology, where they're definitely done a certain way, but like after that, you have like a 4,000 year period of just crazy, f- basically fallout weaponry and technology. It's
0: oh, yeah. you get it's like awful. the techno barbarians on Terra. And so, I mean, one thing we probably we probably didn't chat too much about, but in terms of like, during not they just drive? Things weren't chill on Terra. And that's kind of why, like, the that big daddy emperor decided to jump in and try to help, but like, it took him longer to take over Terra than it did for most of the Great Crusade.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it took it's a while. And the entire time, like they referred to everyone else as like techno barbarians, which is one the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then two, yeah. their so, armor was just anything they could scramble on and all this kind of wild stuff. And so, in terms of like trying to like identify that in terms of archaeology and try to develop a seriation. I
1: have no idea where to begin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, definitely, it's definitely like planet specific. Cause if we think about Caliban, the home of the first Legion and like, imagine it to get blown up at the end of the heresy, I'm not talking about it, but it goes from being colonized, being part of the age of technology. It gets cut off from the universe. They regress basically into like a night feudalistic society, but it doesn't get destroyed. They're techn- They basically have you know powered, low key powered knight armor. They use pistols and swords, and then there's a definite like when they get reconnected with the Imperium. Like there's a very I, you could seriate that I think pretty well because like that planet's heavily forested.
2: But then what about what about Fenris and the Space Wolves? Where absolutely nothing changed, and they were just like, no, we we love our bar- barbaric lifestyle. We we yeah. love.
1: Being the space, space Vikings, side. yeah. So there's definitely there's definitely points in time of like outside of Terra, initial colonization, seriation up until the Eye of Terra opens with the birth of Slanesh and then some get what what's the word that they use when they bring compliant. Some you know planets go get into compliance willingly. Some don't. So there's definitely like capital cities that like you know depending on the Legion, if Angron and the World Eaters show up your planet is fucking done for. So there's a layer of just absolute destruction. And then, you know, the seriation of like, this is the Imperial buildings. Like they have that plan, but like, or those the, planets yeah, that
2: or get going up and rebuilding yeah. a new home or a new Athens.
0: Exactly. I'm also curious, like they'll, they'll talk about like, let's say like the, well, the night Lord show up a lot of times in the crusade, Night Lords, their entire thing, shtick, is like they're terrifying, horrifying and horrible. So they show up, people give up, go into compliance. They talk about destroying and rebuilding everything within the Imperial fashion. But what does that destruction look like? Are they like doing like actually like just knocking stuff down? Is there any kind of destruction debris? Is there any kind of like ways to rebuild what it may have looked like in the past? Or are they straight up just like melting everything, glassing it, what's happening there? Are we talking syncretism,
2: or race, or full replacement?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what are we
2: looking at?
1: I think the yeah. ones that don't go compliant willingly get absolutely rebuilt the Imperial way. But, like, when the Emperor comes across Roboot Gilliaman in, in the 13th, and he has his own, the ultra, his own little empire already, they're largely left intact. You know, Sanguinius, when he's connected on ball, they really don't even rebuild that. Like some of those planets don't even really get rebuilt. They get kind of left alone. And, you know, Ball becomes basically like a sand planet, like Tatooine with like radioactive scorpions. And they just kind of let the Primarch do his thing and they don't really change it. So there's like definitely variance into how some worlds get brought back into Mm -hmm. the Empire. And it's just like, like you know, Terra is a fucking archaeological nightmare. Some of the others might you'd be able to do more stratified archaeology and, and figure things out and have a seriation of cultures and artifacts. But there's like a holistic, I guess, like K2 layer in all the planets for the most part, right? Where like the birth of Slaanesh is a major galactic event that is similar to like what wiped out the dinosaurs on Earth. Like you can find that ash layer across the planet. I would imagine you would have that similar K2 boundary in human colonized worlds across the galaxy, where there's very much one form of technology and And then it changes.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Pre and post contact from the great crusade too. Yeah. I I, I would imagine just with, you know, natural deviation and technology, that occurs over ten thousand years and then all of a sudden a reestablishment of the the Mechanicums relatively stick doctrines of yeah. what technology has to be. I, I imagine you would you would see some sort of, you know, Mount Mazama type layer where there's one and then all of a sudden there's another.
1: I imagine like so much like a Roman layer. Like when Romans expand out, they're coexisting yeah. with the previous indigenous, and then they bring the Roman package with them. Like, I imagine it's the same. And, like, just like, you know, the Romans had various levels of, of influence upon colonization. So, I imagine similar to the Imperium, if we look at the Empire Man as, yeah. you know, the space Absolutely. Romans, where, where you have that same sort I of. I mean, should
0: we? And I'm sure you'll see something similar. Like, I'm thinking of. You mentioned Caliban earlier. Caliban was like Chaos Planet kind of a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, it was a death yep. world.
0: And so, like, yep. I think I remember, like, seeing, like, art of the promark that was there, all this stuff in 30k. It was very spiky, very chaos all this kind of stuff. But thinking about the seriation of how you would look at the artifacts from that assemblage, let's say, you have something that was pre-chaos, chaos, post-grade crusade, you
2: in caliban and then the lion showing up and how that impacted caliban's artifacts and the way that they created their weapons of war
1: yeah because yeah. a lot of, a lot of those there's a probably yeah that's a second layer because like many primarchs ended up unifying their home planet some and they had not so much yeah yeah like but yeah you probably like
0: use that as some way of like Artifactually, in terms of what's changing in terms of manufacture, what's happening, like also thinking of uh, Nostromo, Night Lords area. When do things become more efficient? When do you see like better tools and all this stuff, ignoring all yeah. of the horrors of Conrad Kerr's? <laughs> there'd be yeah. some level of change in terms of the assemblages you would see, right?
1: Yeah. And it's all variant on which Primark, because like, yeah, Conrad becomes like evil space Batman, and rules his planet by just sheer fucking terror and terrorizing the mobs and gangs that run the planet into like chilling out. Yeah, so. And then of course there's planets that, you know, they get absolutely wiped out. Like spoiler alert, Caliban blows up at the end of the Heresy and becomes, you know, Space High Charity from Halo. It's, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's what happens to yeah. that planet. <laughs> So many dirty references coming out, you know, but it's, it's like, it would be like, if there, if there was one universe, I'd like to be an archeologist, it'd probably be the star Wars universe. It wouldn't be 40 K 40 K is a fucking nightmare. Like even just from the archeology, span if it was legalized, like it's just, you know, like I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to be excavating somewhere. And then these glowing green automatons from like 60 million years come out and start destroying the planet
2: feel like the risk of death in the 40k universe is much higher than every other fictional universe yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: i mean yeah yeah sweet well i hope this was informative some people i know like we do have 40k i've talked about 40k a couple times on this podcast i get people reached out and like so I hope this was beneficial for some people. Like we enjoy doing episodes like this, where we bring on our friends to talk about something like archaeology adjacent or just you know nerdy fandom. It's not dogs, so there's that. But before not we dogs, end, the- David, <laughs> <not dogs. laughs> But before we end the show, Alex and Mason, what are a couple sources? These could be articles, books, videos that you'd recommend for anyone interested in Warhammer 40k. I'll go out and say like. The, the first three novels of the Horus Heresy, fantastic. Yep. Um, oh man, I, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love reading about, you know, you basically, like my favorite, like the two favorite Space Marine Legions, I love reading, or a couple. I love reading about the Blood Angels, the Dark Angels, and Alpha Legion, and then also Thousand Suns. So you just kind of pick out of the 100, I think over 180 books now. You basically kind of find your favorites, and you look for those books. Anything written by Guy Haley is 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 pretty good, and that's all. Horace Heresy—that's a whole different series. And,
2: and Dan Abnett
1: is
0: going to be wonderful Dan. as well. Fantastic! I, if you want like a real nice like soft introduction to like 40k, the Eisenhorn series I think is pretty good by Dan Abnett. It's kind of that what is. got me starting to get interested in the lore titanicus is also a great just like one-off great book it's a lot of fun Highly yeah. recommend it
1: yeah i i love nids and blood angels so i like the 40k series about when the blood angels fought the tyranids, fought the tyranids you know uh, <laughs> the devastation of ball is one of my favorite you know that's that's a good one there's some amazing YouTubers out there. Games Library, which creates the Warhammer series. You go to their website. We'll put that down below. Games Workshop. Um, Black Library, which is their publishing house, has a bunch of those. Yes. So Crave just mentioned Major Kill. If you want basically an ADHD buffed out Australian telling you about Warhammer, I love him. Some people hate him, but I love his energy. He's so good.
2: Sexy. Yeah. If you guys are interested in like a good wiki, lexicanum is a wonderful fan uh fan sourced outlet or uh reference for 40k
0: i also enjoy uh if you're a reddit nerd and spend a lot of time on reddit 40k lore is a wonderful subreddit full of tremendous human beings
1: that have a lot to say uh, about this whole nerddom major kill is a good one i also like baldemort he's pretty good there's one guy, I think it's Oculus Imperia, where he, he talks to the lore like he's an uh, adeptus librarian. Yeah, he's like, telling yeah. you if he was actually a lore guy himself, like reiterating the lore of, of 40K from the perspective of a historian in that time. I fall asleep to him a lot because like he has such a smoothing, chill voice. What do you guys got?
0: Well, I was saying, uh, I tend to go to like, 40K lore on Reddit and just kind of hang out and read a bunch of random posts and also if i can't sleep that's kind of one of my go-to things (laughs) start looking at 40k lore on
1: reddit (laughs) yeah it's jesus there's 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 a lot of really good content and like warhammer blew up i think a lot of people reconnected during the pandemic because you could just order it and paint and it um so like a lot of people i only played the game like a couple times like, I just enjoy painting, like, as especially as an archaeologist or an academic, like, the fact that I just have to sit there with a model and just think about painting, like, zends me out. I was
0: always interested in 40K and, like, the Warhammer universe and all this kind of stuff. But what really kind of spurred me to actually take the dive and start, like, nerding out about it was during the pandemic. I just really wanted to have a hobby. And so I just started painting a bunch of 40K, reading a ton of, like, random 40K stuff on the internet. And it's amazing. Had a lot of fun over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I have a couple models. I haven't painted. So like the ones that I showed Craig earlier, like my uh, devastation of ball captain. I actually a buddy of mine from undergrad. He got his degree in art. His name is Ethan. And he is a professional Warhammer 40K painter. And like some of I think one of my models is on the website. Like he gets featured. I kind of helped him a little bit with like how to do more Instagram stuff. But if you look him up, he's handies underscore hobbies, H-A-N-D-Y-S underscore H-O-B-B-I-E-S. His whole channel is stuff he paints and gets commissioned to. And like what I love about his posts is he does like a real quick piece of the lore about them. So like he's oh, his cool. content has gotten fantastic and I really That's love going it. to him. Right now I think he has like over a dozen commissions of the Lion's model. Wow. And he he does he that knows his shit.
2: Sexy. That model is really sexy.
1: I'm going to have to text him cuz like this
2: guy's fanboy. I I in a completely unbiased perspective on it just saying.
0: I'm yeah. just looking at it and trying to figure out how to like Converted to Iron Warriors.
1: He has a bunch, so like it's it's kind of funny because like right now, of course, everything is is Iron, uh,
2: with Iron
1: without. Yeah, I'm trying to remember mine <laughs> mine around there, but he's like gotten Dorn. He's done 30k models, so like if you're interested, just to see like a variance of the different kinds of stuff, because like in the Warhammer community, there's God knows so many different armies every faction has sub armies and different units like the, the variance is crazy and uh they're really fun to paint like i'll never paint chaos like the chaos marines like trying to play like if i can't i would commit suicide trying to paint a plague marine i think
0: it's so funny you just be sloppy awesome. do what you want
2: <laughs> <laughs> might be papa nurgle's second
0: acolyte yeah See, i mean like using, honestly, i mean look at my dirty like black templars that's, that's a, a dirty, dirty boy, boy.
1: That's, that's it's a, still a good looking boy. black templar <laughs> how that's do they play because i've always liked because i like shooty still and i was thinking about doing imperial fists do they play well I've, on the tip? like i guess well you've never I've played i've never played what? so i have no idea i just like paint shit <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> templars yeah.
2: gotta play more like blood angels it's got to be more more kind of close combat faster mm-hmm.
1: phase yeah and they all have different play styles i mean shit yeah. with with the orcs in order for there's if you paint it yellow it goes faster that's in the rules legit i, get, I, get, I, get I, don't, I don't know paint it like, red right no paint it yellow goes faster oh paint it, it like red. orc there's there's a paint it red. i think it makes the explosions bigger
0: i thought red goes faster
1: oh no uh, red isn't yeah. necessarily for the cult of speed yellow is the cult of
2: speed isn't
1: it yellow is cult to speed yeah yeah no. oh hold, well no there is also painting it red makes it go faster there's a f- jesus fuck yeah orcs get weird they're so, basically so, the everything I'm is like.
0: uh, everything in 40k is contradictory so, yeah. <laughs> <there's that. laughs>
1: yeah. yeah it's a whole thing anyways guys so we're gonna we got to end this jesus um our producer is gonna kill me uh, crabe where can our listeners find you on social media
2: Oh, you can find me on Instagram at El Crabo. That is Spanish for the Crabo. <laughs> <laughs> That That's probably the easiest place to find me.
1: And Mason, where can our uh, followers find you?
0: Uh, I don't have social media, but I don't know, just email me.
2: Find them so through you, me.
0: I'll put, <laughs> I'll put their Instagram,
1: I'll put Cravo's <laughs> Instagram and their emails both down below. And, uh, you know, thank you for joining us today, Alex and Mason, if given the chance again, would you still choose to live a life in 40 K ruins?
2: I mean, if I can be like a daka 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 all yellow orc, then I'm going to go with yes.
1: Sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fucking fucking (laughs) miserable existence. Well, everyone, we just interviewed Mason Niket and Alex Crabe, both CRM archaeologists, not too, just a crossover for me. You can find their contact information down below. You know, please be sure to rate and review the podcast, provide us with feedback on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to. So on Apple, you know, you can give us the reviews. We love listening to them. And if you're listening on the All Shows feed, please consider not and subscribing directly to our show. It helps us build subscribers. One, and then two, it allows us to get advertisers and sponsors. I do want to let everyone know that for a long time the podcast was hovering around five or six thousand downloads a month and i'm really happy and excited to mention like we've for the past two three months now we've routinely gotten over 15,000 downloads a month Uh, so we we've actually we had talked about this before we've always wanted to supersede the dirt even before they left and we we've actually done that based on their numbers we're really glad all of you have stood by our side as we've gone through this it's about to be summertime again which you know means that uh it's gonna be a shit show again so yeah please uh remember if you review the podcast we'll send you a sticker one day so yeah with that we are out thanks for listening to a life in ruins podcast you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com.
0: And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. Hey, why was the flipping analyst late to the meeting? Because he's flaky. Because he
2: was, yeah, because
1: he was flake. Hey! <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll keep man. it. All right, thank you, Mason. No, we'll just keep that. That's good. Uh, Mason did the joke this time because I was taking too long. All right, we're really out now.
2: This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland.